When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast that's young, dumb, and full of Mike's fun. Oh God! <laughs> Why mine? What did I do? What did you do? You just you're just fun, and we're celebrating oh. that fact. <laughs> oh God! Putting the you in fun. Uh, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, today we're going to talk about sitcoms, but we're not going to talk about Cosby. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. I'm sure there was someone gay on there at some point, but, um, yeah. Uh, and we're going to have some guests on that, uh, do a podcast on, uh, gay TV shows. So, yep. So gayest episode ever. So they know, they know what's up when it comes to representation, gay representation on TV. Yeah. But first, but first, all right. News time. I thought you, you said you had uh, feedback to share. Oh, that's true. Thank you for knowing what we do and when we do it. I, I, <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, this is an email from Wicked Spider uh, about our hunting episode. Hey, guys, I'm a huge fan of the show and usually listen while I work as a mailman in North Carolina. I have to say I grew up hunting. And yes, I'm a cis or I'm a cis or cis gay white man. Cis, he spelled cis, S-I-S-N-C-I-S. I'm a <laughs> cis or cis gay white man in his early 30s with little to no feminine qualities. I grew up hunting, fishing, riding four-wheelers, etc. I have a couple of things to express about this episode. Kyle, eating meat and bashing hunting. I'm sorry to say it, Kyle, but eating wild deer meat is free of a ton of chemicals that you have to give animals who live in captivity. Captivity. And by eating store-bought meat, you're actually doing more harm than a hunter could ever do. Like Mike said, it's okay as long as you're eating it. You are giving money to animal farms, which are more like animal prisons. Mm. I can understand the hesitation when it comes to field dressing or skinning and butchering animals, but at least that's more honorable than a slaughterhouse. Also, deer population can get out of control if we didn't. If you live in rural areas, guns aren't always just for protection against other humans. There are plenty of animals that will attack you if you invade an area they consider theirs. If you have a farm and need to defend your crops, etc., or you just want to go for a walk in the woods, mountain lions, coyotes, bears, etc., they will attack you. Not always, but I'd rather have a gun because you aren't outrunning them. I love the show. Huge fan. And you guys teach me so much. I hope I was able to change your opinion, even if just a little. <laughs> Thanks, Wicked Spider. No, that's a really good point. Like, I uh, that's part of the um, I, I totally agree. There's like a big part of the shitty part of the meat eating is the cruelty that goes. It's not just the killing of them. It's the cruelty that goes along in their entire lifetime. So I that totally makes sense that like better a, a deer out having a great life leaping around having fun instead of like, you know, trapped in a little animal prison. That still doesn't help make me, that doesn't change the, like the weirdness I feel about me eating in general, but definitely agree on the like level. This is, that's part of the thing I like, if I was better at life, I feel like I would, if you know, given I am eating me eat, from places I know uh, treat animals ethically and everything, but that is also something I have not done. There seems like that maybe a philosophical argument that could be made that ending an animal's happy life is a bigger damage than ending its horrible suffering. <laughs> <laughs> 
suffering that you thrust upon it in the first place because you wanted to kill it and eat it. But all I'm like, that's like go with me on this one. You're <laughs> that's like <laughs> I don't know if you uh, a murderer like torturing a person. It's like you might as well just kill him because like that's nicer than just killing some rando. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's a really weird thing to say, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, moving on. Yeah. Time for the news. Yeah. Okie dokie. So, uh, news the first in. That was so like angelic. It was almost like like coral in a way. <laughs> um, except that last part where you growled like a demon, but. <laughs> probably made somebody come so like, whatever okay <laughs> um okay so news the first Great. three teachers from a new jersey high school are being investigated after they were caught on a zoom chat trashing one of their gay colleagues <laughs> oh. um the incident happened last wednesday at dumont high school in new jersey and uh three teachers seemingly unaware that they were chatting in a public forum attacked their fellow co-worker for being gay uh quote video from gay gym teacher one teacher wrote delete all caps to which another replied who the hell is that kid with the gay dim- gym who the hell is that kid with gay gym teacher she's so full of herself a third remarked why is that kid with the gay gym teacher the first teacher then asked is that her adopted kid the second asked who's gonna be all fucked up growing up watching two chicks kissing and calling them both mom these are teachers, Kyle. Wait, who? Uh, but who? Who was the kid with the gym teacher? Mm, don't know. I didn't totally follow their conversation. Yeah, don't know. Great. So there's some some kid. There's some picture of a kid with the gym teacher, and they assumed it was a child that's going to be fucked up because they're gay. Yep. Mm. Yep. 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 So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with them. Um, there were students on the call who could see everything that their teachers were writing. Um, it got leaked because a student took a screenshot and uploaded it to social media where it <laughs> went course. viral. Uh, the mayor of Dumont, Andrew LaBruno, issued a statement calling the comments, quote, disturbing and extremely appalling and asked the school's superintendent to investigate. These homophobic comments do not reflect our community's values, nor do they represent our beliefs in the borough of Dumont. We are an inclusive and welcoming community. What are they supposed to investigate? Like, <laughs> investigate what? You can't have a screenshot. Investigation, com- look at screenshot. Investigation complete. Like, that always yeah. feels like what people, like, we. I call on an investigation. Feels like code for we don't want to do shit. We just want to make you feel like we're saying something's going to happen. Yeah. There's also, like, there's a certain goodness to the presumption of innocence until due process has been yeah i mean like some some kid could have like written it themselves into a screenshot or you know how the kids like to photocopy kyle we don't want them to get defense ideas from us (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like these uh, teachers are not super text this is the most enjoyable thing like like as people of a certain age do not know how technology works so their shitty beliefs are like you know there's all this i don't know if you have it in the news like homophobic people that like on zoom are doing like (laughs) homosexual things that like Mm -hmm. they just don't get technology it's kind of ruining them and it's a a lot of fun for me yeah yeah i agree 
the 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 hoisted by their own petardness. No, that sounds like a bad word. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> to be hoisted by their own petard. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking of which, that's a great segue. News the second. Joseph Sager, Sager, Shaher, new Patreon member. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, spells Joseph all fucked up. Anyway. Uh, this person, who is a member of the European Parliament representing Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's Fidesz party, has resigned from his position in Brussels after he was caught leaving what reports described as a 25-man orgy on Friday. Uh, this was all over my news. This is like all like at some point I was like, I don't need to read any more about this thing because but. Uh, no, please continue sharing. Yeah. Well, his boss, the government that he works for, has been curtailing LGBTQ rights since he was elected prime minister in 2010. Uh, this dude who fronted him in the European Parliament helped rewrite Hungary's constitution, quote, to protect the institution of marriage as the union of a man and a woman. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's just like, he's one of the top fuck faces in a party <laughs> of fuck faces that are actively fighting against gay rights. But then um, uh, he resigned on Sunday after he admitted to breaching Belgium's strict lockdown rules to attend a sex party. The police found 25 naked men at the gathering, including him and some diplomats. The uh, This is according to Belgian newspaper Le Dernier Or. Ur. I don't speak French. The... Um, <laughs> The newspaper quoted the, a local the police. The way you said it was condescending that it felt French to me. So. <laughs> le, le dernier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the newspaper quoted a local police source as saying, quote, we interrupted a gangbang, which I imagine him saying it all pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> if um, there was a news story of me, I would want it to be like Kyle Getz caught fleeing from a 25 man gangbang. Like that, that would be the way I would want to be in a newspaper. That's. Is, is there a little part of you that's like, God, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, the public prosecutor's office said, quote, a passerby reported to the police that he had seen a man fleeing along the gutter. He was able to identify the man. The man's hands were bloody. Oh. It is possible that he may have been injured while fleeing. Narcotics were found in his backpack. The man was unable to produce any identity documents. He was escorted to his place of residence where he identified himself as S.J by means of a diplomatic passport. Um, yeah, he insisted that he had not taken any of the drugs, which, of course, everyone takes a backpack full of drugs to not take. Yeah, no, I was just at the orgy with drugs to uh, judge, watch, and stay sober. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Why is it always... Okay, do I need to vote Republican so that I can then enjoy a 25-man gangbang? Because, like, it's always, it's always, it's always, it's always these guys, right? I think if you were a, if any one of us were a closeted Republican, like, Senate member, we'd be getting so much ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the way to it. It'd be like, you'd hate your life and you'd be very horrible and shameful, but the sex would be so good. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah sign me up no don't sign me up no. okay great uh yeah. news the last are you ready yeah i feel bad because sometimes like i try to avoid the super duper obvious but this time we can't avoid the super duper obvious <laughs> okay uh so i'm going to try very hard not to dead name him because people keep fucking it up but elliot page the oscar nominated star of juno and netflix's the umbrella academy has announced that he is transgender 
Um, quote, hi, friends. I want to share with you that I am trans. My pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. I've been endlessly inspired by so many in the trans community. Thank you for your courage, your generosity, and ceaselessly working to make this world a more inclusive and compassionate place. I will offer whatever support I can and continue to strive for a more loving and equal society, hmm. he wrote. Uh, I love that I am trans and I love that I am queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream the more my heart grows and the more I thrive to all the trans people who deal with harassment, self-loathing abuse, and the threat of violence every day. I see you. I love you. And I will, con I will do everything I can to change this world for the better. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Elliot page. I, I can't think of a more public example of a trans person coming out. And the, the wholesomeness of the whole thing is really pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I just think about his activism, like e e before this, that like lends itself, like he's been super active for like queer rights, and uh, and it, it, it is great to to have someone who's active, already active in the community and supportive and and a influential voice, you know, rather than a you know some dipshit who doesn't know anything about anything. Yeah, yeah, yes, Dan. Uh, it, it rubbed me the wrong way that they chose World AIDS Day to to come out as trans, like any uh, day before, day after, but like on a day when the queer community has historically focused on remembering those lost to AIDS, they sort of stole the thunder and took over the like coverage of queer stuff. And I know it, it felt it felt like uh, tone deaf. Just me. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I, the the bigger gaffe on World AIDS Day was all of the COVID talk from the UK government. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, <laughs> the there's one like some BBC like group was like people putting red uh, ribbons to commemorate the COVID like <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, I I thought that like this is one of those things where the coverage, the news coverage, I was like, so worried about it. And most of the coverage I saw was, um, uh, the headlines, the articles did not dead name, dead name him. Uh, some did include it in the like subheaders or in the text. And this is something where I was like really curious myself and did a lot of like philosophical thinking about like, how do you, how do you do this? And, uh, I looked at the glad, uh, resources for journalists and one of the things they said is um among a lot of other tips is it's okay to mention his dead name once to say formally known as this person and then move on from that and then not use it again because i, I think especially in a visual medium the news that i was seeing like you can put an image of him and people know who you're talking about it's a little bit harder for us like when you say luckily in this case like the the lead in Juno, like you you kind of know who that is, but just to like, if it were a like lesser known celebrity or something, you may have to use their dead name so that just once, so people know we just know what we're talking about. 
you, you don't want to dead name this person over and over again, but it yeah. might be helpful to avoid the like long and complicated. Well, did you see Juno? You know, the, the one that was pregnant that was the star of the show. Nope, never saw Juno. Great. Um, let's see. Umbrella uh, Academy is the one, yeah. another one they kept mentioning. And yeah, yeah, I, I did do a little bit of that. Like, I, I like maybe because um, he has such a big name that I was like, wanted to make sure I looked at several articles and finally saw his dead name just to like confirm, like I saw the pictures and the like, and I was just like, but are we, but is it really him? Like, you know, it, yeah. I just wanted to know for sure that I was thinking of the right thing and looking at the right thing. Well, anyway, that's the news. Great. Um, speaking of news, I have news about new Patreon members. Great. <laughs> uh, that was chill. Flawless, uh, flawless segue. <laughs> um, I would like to thank the following Patreon members. Spencer Stone. David. Uh, what? I don't know. I just wanted to gay gasp because it's been a while. <laughs> Great. Do you, do you, wanna, you can get out your gay gas here after everyone. Because now if you don't for everyone else, they'll feel left out. David Flisher. <gasps> Samuel J. John. G. John. What? You're supposed to gasp. You're not supposed I, to give me any other lip. I can't, I can't. If you don't give me something, I can latch my lips on. Samuel G. John. <gasps> there we go. Joshua Stewart. <gasps> and E.W. <gasps> Great. Entertainment I, Weekly gave us a Patreon support. I, I wish. Um, no, this, this is lowly old person, EW. <laughs> sorry. Um, if you want bonus content, uh, shit to listen to, shit to watch, uh, and to support us, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Do it. And thanks to everyone who does support us. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Uh, sitcoms? Sure, let's talk about sitcoms. Um, okay, well, sitcom, which mm -hmm. is a portmanteau of mm -hmm. situation comedy. Sitcom. That's all. <laughs> that was your contribution? <laughs> yep. Uh, you, you have fun with the guys from Gayest Episode Ever. I'm done now. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good point, Mike. That is <laughs> what that means. Um... For okay, me? okay, okay. I'm going to be pedantic and, and full of shit. I think people use the word sitcom to describe shows that aren't sitcoms. Like, they, they think it merely is episodic and funny, and that's not true. It doesn't have to, It like, it's more than just episodic and funny. Mm. And um, I don't think we have a lot of sitcoms anymore, not in the, like, truest sense of the word. And I, part of that's because my roommate and I have been watching uh, The Golden Girls, and that's, like, quintessential situational comedy. Yeah. And... Um, I, it, 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 as the more, the more we watch it, the more I realize that we don't really have shows like that anymore. Um, like there are some, there are a few examples. I, Modern Family comes to mind. They're still on, right? What, for reasons I don't understand. Uh, um, what? uh, you don't like Modern Family? I did like the first couple of seasons, but hmm. Jesus Christ. I don't it's know. like, anyway. once you get past a certain point, you just kind of like get to keep rolling. Yeah. Well, I disagree. Stop. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trolling for hate mail, Kyle. Um, yeah, Mike hates gay representation. That's what <laughs> that's the takeaway so far. But what, what do you what do you what do you think uh, about this, the current state of sitcoms in the world? Well, that's interesting that you ask, because I think that of the 879 series regular characters on on TV programming, it's interesting that 90 were counted as LGBTQ. This is glad 
media data. Okay, um, great. Uh, they, they, this is not sitcom specific. This is TV overall. Um, uh, in the last year's report, uh, yeah, 879 series regular characters, 90 were LGBTQ, and that is so that is 10%, which is an all time high. Uh, previous year, it was 8.8%. So, uh, wow. there are a uh, uh, you know, record percentage of representation of LGBTQ characters, and then of course, there's lots of other ways that uh you know of those you know who's being represented and everything uh needs to improve and change but um of the thing i noted is there's one asexual character which mm. do you know who that is one asexual character uh it's todd on bojack horseman i thought you might have known that right away um, that there uh todd is the only uh, asexual character that was count like that they saw in in last year's uh, count seems okay. What? They must well they, they must require then like explicit declaration of that person's sexuality in order to be counted, right? Like, I would assume so because I mean, who do you have in mind? I I don't have anybody in mind specifically, oh. but I, I was going I was going through like one of the thoughts that I had as you were describing this was like, well, there are lots of characters that don't have sex and don't say who they want to have sex with, or if they don't want to have sex at all, like they, it never comes out of their mouth, but that does not an asexual character make likely in this analysis. Yeah. Nor does it, I think like just watching a character not have sex does not make you like you feel represented. That's not like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, like representation, real representation is like knowing about their identity and, it being accepted and okay and everything. Yeah. Otherwise people could just check out my only fans. <laughs> you not having sex. I, I don't have sex on there all the time. It's uh, great. Oh my God. You should start the asexual only fans. And it's just videos of people hanging out and not having <laughs> sex. <laughs> um, so there's actually a, uh, something that uh clark's four stages of representation which clark originally uh created this model for uh representation of racial minorities but um a lot of academic papers used it uh for others including lgbtq representation uh the four stages of representation are non-representation ridicule regulation and respect so non-representation just not there of uh, the uh, ridicule they are just there for a joke which is often what gay people are there for is that just a smarter version of that whole thing that i don't think is actually gandhi but people say it was gandhi about like first they ignore us then they make fun of us then they hate us then we win um uh except the hate is completely opposite but actually very close because uh, the the third step is regulation, and that's where they are only represented in socially acceptable roles. The okay. the black person is a judge. Like it's just like. Well, pretend what I said was really smart. Well, it was close. <laughs> it was close. It was close. Um, the, Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, I'll give you like a B, <laughs> B plus. Um, and then and then respect the fourth stage is you show the full breadth of a character. They have good and bad qualities. You might see them actually have a romantic relationship. You might you see can't them show breadths on TV. <laughs> Showtime. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and I uh, I think the uh, <laughs> that can it can be misleading to 
especially for straight people, like, oh, there are tons of gay characters. But it's like, well, how many are just like I th- even think like being represented, but being just you know, a, a judge or the, like a good, like no, no personality, no character, just like, it's like, they're trying to do the right thing by, yeah. by, sh- by showing people, but they're trying to go too far and showing them as perfect. And to, in order to not buy into the stereotypes, but that's like, but, but that's not real. That's, that doesn't actually show, show a true character. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's interesting that there are, uh, already kind of ways of thinking about and discussing this that that people use in their um, in their research papers and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. How important were sitcoms to you growing up? How much do you think they affected you or played a role in in your gay experience? Well, that's a good question. Thank you. I mean, I think I I think that my family. I grew up in an era where you had one family TV. And you yeah. had four channels, one of which was PBS and stupid. I'm I loved PBS, uh, but like you, you didn't have a lot of options and the options you did had you consumed as a family. And I, I think that we, we tended as a family to gravitate towards situational comedies, which were very much having their sort of um, renaissance in the 80s. Um, but so so we watched uh, Cheers and we watched uh I like to joke that golden girls is the only reason that I had a relationship with my grandmother, <laughs> um, watching that with her. Um, but when, when I, when I picture that, like, Hey, the family gathers around the tube and watches something. It's, it's usually a, a, a sitcom that I like have, like that's the memory. That's the, yeah. that's the, the, the feel of it. Yeah. Uh, we watched a lot of Roseanne, um, as a family anyway i don't know how about you yeah no it, it's similar to me of uh, i did have a tv in my room eventually but yeah it was like we every sunday we got to like my family ordered pizza and watched uh the simpsons and then mm. home improvement was usually usually on right after it so like that it was funny because even before i was gay uh, I, when I was like talking to friends, like some of my friends were not allowed to watch the Simpsons. So I mm. was like the weird kid who was like, well, my family sits down and watches it together. <laughs> like yeah. that was weird for, for people like, you know, so Christian that, that everyone around me that like, that was a weird thing. But God, yeah. What, so, was the, what was the, what was the Christian? Um, what was, what was the Christian complaint <laughs> to the Simpsons? Oh, everything. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. It was like everything about it. It's like cursing and, and Bart talking back and like everything about it was bad. There was crude humor. There was like, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. There's right. pretty much everything. It, Simpsons was like, a almost the example of like the, the type of show that, Christians were against, at least in my mind, because of how, like, you know, crude and potty mouth and bad things they did. Simpsons is in the same category as like Seinfeld for me of like people are really into it, super famous and popular, but I just don't care. Oh, I I stopped caring after like as I got older. But I remember, yeah, we uh, that was like a big part of my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it counts for a lot. It counts for a lot. Yeah. And and I I often think about sitcoms as shaping. Uh, I, I feel like I, I I've had to think a little bit about the gay aspect to them, but mostly um, 
when I think about how sitcoms shape me, it's the their representation of men and the way men act and behave. And I often think Home Improvement is the perfect example of the the men, the dad in the family is always portrayed as stupid, unemotional, doesn't doesn't have too many feelings, likes to fix things like it doesn't care about fix, his kids. Fix things, fix things in a shitty way that like doesn't actually work so that you have to call in the professional plumber later to fix his mistake because he was too afraid to ask for help because of toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, like all like there and there are plenty of other sitcoms. I think so many sitcoms, especially in the 90s, like did this. But I, I just hate the way men are represented and um, and it's interesting because even when I watched the show or the movie Inside Out, did you see that movie? I haven't seen it. And I know that I need to. It was really good. But, but everybody says it's going to make me cry. And I don't want to do that right now because COVID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I cried a couple times. Um, But even in that, it was like really awesome, really great representation of, um, uh, you know, female child who is playing hockey. So not doing like the stereotypical thing and, and like going through the full range of emotions even in that when they like zoomed in there's the mom and dad and like there's a moment where they zoom into the mom's head and show her feelings in the dad's head and all of his like little feeling guys were sports it was like sports like that's all that like and for a movie that was so progressive in many ways to have the father still have that kind of stereotypical take it mm. was just uh, that part was really frustrating to me so i think mm. those that that view of masculinity has stuck with me and needs to change in, you know, has affected because I always say like, I do not, um, I do not fit with the traditional masculine qualities of like unemotional, unavailable, like uh, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, so do you want to, you want to talk to some experts about yeah. sitcoms and TV and all that shit? Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Drew Mackey and Glenn Lakin from gayest episode ever. And they're going to tell us why we're dumb. Great. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> uh, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. This episode sponsored by Palm Olive. It's good. It's good for you and it's good for your wife. <laughs> and put it on her hands. <laughs> break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So, so are we back? We're back. We're back. For the very first time, for some of us, back, back back again, back again for the first time. We're here with Drew and Glenn from the Gayest Episode Ever podcast. Uh, thank you both for being on. Thank you for having us. We are talking sitcoms, and that's what you do on your podcast is talk about the gay shit in sitcoms. But just to start us off, I'm curious to hear about why sitcoms were important enough and big enough of a topic for you to to start a podcast on i was trying to think about what actually was the inspiration for doing this aside from the fact that i had a existing podcast that i did not like and did not want to do anymore and glenn and i just talk about glenn and i are roommates and we were just talking about tv all the time anyway i think what actually kickstarted it was us talking about how fraser is like low-key the gayest show of all time but it's not <laughs> gay in a way that like a casual viewers might even notice i think it was that was that it uh, yeah it was definitely fraser versus niles and which one is gayer and gay in what ways mm -hmm. um 
I don't know if we necessarily thought that like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Other people should listen to us talk about it. Uh, but it's spun from there. But then we did make that decision. Yeah. But also, um, we got most of our social cues and uh, most of our learning how to be a person or most of our idea of what being a normal grown up was like came through sitcoms that we watched in the late 80s, early 90s, for better and for worse. So, Yeah. I mean, my personality was definitely forged from sitcoms. And I even was reminded of that um, watching an episode of Will and Grace, um, <laughs> not by choice. Uh, and that like, I think a lot of gay men just have a tendency to say either a funny or shitty thing, like without expecting anyone to react to it, almost that we're just commenting on our own lives. Uh, and I think that's from sitcoms. Like that's where that sort of quirk comes from. Yeah, I think like, so too. Like gay characters that are meant to be the 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 humor and they do that by like shitting on someone or even just like all the clever women that we gravitate towards like those were our role models and i think we emulate our behavior in scenes with multiple characters or multiple real people uh i think that's how we try and provide our value um so maybe that's where we started podcast to sort of trace the roots of our own shitty personalities that's it <laughs> So before we get too far away from it, I want to talk about Frasier and 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 first of all, based in Seattle and they fuck all kinds of things up. And it is like any good Seattleite bitching about Frasier is like a rite of passage for us. But um, oh, my God, is is Frasier the Grey's Anatomy of your, of your, I, bitch of your about time? I bitch about Grey's Anatomy and how they fuck things up. But I yeah. never watched Frasier. Never watched Frasier. You should. No, I, it just, it, it was always too, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was always too like stuffy and dry and I like didn't understand anything. So like when I was a kid, I was just like, this is, I, I watched the Simpsons. So that was more interesting. So Simpsons is both of our most foundational show and Frasier does seem stuffy, but it actually isn't. No, it's silly. It's, it's, fr- it's like silly in the French way. So it's sophisticated silly. Oh, sometimes. Ooh. It's silly. <laughs> um, so Frasier and Niles, uh, you, 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 you talk about them being gay characters, which I think both characters are explicitly heterosexual in the show. Can you talk, can you talk more about what you mean? So Frasier and Niles have a dad who's an ex-cop. His name is Martin, played by a gay man. Um, as most of the heterosexual men on Frasier are played by gay men, which ups the gay factor quite a bit. But Martin does not relate to his sons because his sons, like, the fancier side of life. They like opera and um, Sherry and their mother. Yeah. (laughs) And they don't connect with their dad at all. And uh, the pilot of the show is, it's not the pilot. Martin's already living with Frazier in the pilot, right? No, he moves in, Uh, I believe. Okay. So Martin has to move in with his adult son who he has nothing in common with. And a lot of the show is the culture clash between typical man's man American type and this guy who's like very left coast and fancy and uh, is he's an intellectual. He's not like someone who exists in like um, the world that like a cop would have existed in. And there's a lot about that that speaks to the relationship many gay men have with their heterosexual fathers because like we're inclined towards stuff that typical men often aren't, especially men who are old enough to be our dads. I know my explanation is simpler. There's two soft boys and they're just coded as uh, queer characters because of the way they dress uh, and react to the world and their interests uh, are, are deemed uh, not manly. Huh. When we, it's interesting, like thinking about explicitly gay characters when like when you're trying to pinpoint gay characters, how that shaped 
like what we see in the media and everything, uh, it makes me think that someone who is coded gay but is outwardly heterosexual could give a, a better depth of like a, a deep re- complex analysis of a relationship like that better than like any any show with a gay character at that time would have wouldn't have gone into that level of depth of their relationship with their dad or that level of complexity with their dad so it's interesting that that could be a could have been a better representation for gay kids than actual gay characters well even niall's heterosexual relationship with daphne and his many seasons crush on her is closer to how gay men experience love in the late 80s and 90s and you know before that were it's sort of a forbidden love from afar and you don't want to express that emotion or attraction um, because you think it'll backfire on you. Hmm. And Niles is just trapped in this loveless uh, relationship with a woman uh, that he was just sort of pressured into being in and staying in rather than being with the person that he wanted to be with. I think it's super interesting that uh, you're sort of implying that there's a classism to being coded as gay that like Definitely. being being uh, uppity or upwardly mobile is is a gay thing which we also see in will and grace which we're going to talk about a will and grace episode on your guys's show mm-hmm. um uh is that still true today like do we do we see today uh that that being gay and being r- rich or or upper class is uh still tied together i actually think we see a lot more like slumming at gays like the characterization of gay characters is now that uh, we can make things quote unquote fabulous, like by just experiencing life in a way that people with money don't necessarily. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking of that Greg Araki show that we were watching uh, apocalypse or now apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just an example of characters um, who could exist in maybe an upper class world while being uh, lower class or not at least making money. I feel like we are starting to get away from um, the idea that all gays are upwardly mobile and uppity. But I mean, like, did you, did you, did you, uh, sorry, can't talk. Um, Were you guys, did you guys grow up in Seattle or did you move there? I moved here. So I grew up in uh, Houston. I grew up in rural Eastern Washington, which is very, very conservative. It's Trump country out there. I grew up in Central California in a little town that had we grow apricots and hay. So, um, <laughs> and now I'm in Los Angeles. Glenn actually grew up in Chicago. Well, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So there is that tendency for gay men to migrate towards uh, population centers because that's just where more gay men are, and you're less likely to get beaten up for it. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing with gay characters on TV back in the day is that they are often um, what Glenn and I call angel gays where they were trying to make them so perfect that the audience would sympathize with them because they were kind of presuming that like half the audience hated gay people and they'd have to win the audience over into liking them. So they are handsome, polite, good at everything. And if they're not actually rich, they look like they're well-dressed enough to be rich. And that is something, that's a vestige of the time. Now most people are comfortable enough with gay people, you can get more layered perceptions of gay people. And that's why you get someone like, uh, did you guys watch Happy Endings? No. No. So there's this character played by Adam Pally on that named Max, and he's a slob. He's a mess. Like, he's physically a mess. His house is not, his apartment is not as nice as the other characters on the show. Um, And 
he's also a vestige of like, can you believe this gay guy is like not uh, tidy and feminine at all? <laughs> but um, like, we're just now getting to the point where you can have gays who are um, D class A. Like they're not, they, they, they don't, they don't want to be fancy. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you, when you have the luxury of having more than one character every few months who happens to be gay, you can have a greater range of gay representation. So we're allowed to have like, shitty gay characters and messy gay characters and just complete disasters because they are not carrying the weight of representation. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching uh, pretty little liars right now. Um, I never watched it when it was on. And uh, one of the characters who is uh, just in the first season coming out as gay, it, it seems so clear to me that the, the writers are trying so hard for all the main characters to be totally cool with it, that they're mm. going way overboard. Like whenever the other main characters like see her with her girlfriend, they're always like looking fondly and smiling. It's like, it, they don't do that with any other person dating anyone, but like anytime it's them two, they're all smiling and looking at each other and, and happy and like so happy for her. And it's just like a little bit over the top. I don't know mm. if uh, anyone else would notice it, but it's just very over the top trying to be supportive of her that yeah it just feels inauthentic and i think you know what you're talking about is now we can have like i don't need everyone to be smiling at the gay character saying you're you're great we all support <laughs> you like we don't that's not that's not real and that doesn't feel real to me yeah it's much more likely for your friends to be like you know you're kind of an asshole or like <laughs> clean yourself up you fucking slob that would yeah. be more normal yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we talked about Frasier. What other shows uh, in The Simpsons, what other shows are like foundational to your like sitcom experience? What did you grow up watching? I think everyone would say Golden Girls. Most <laughs> gay men of a certain age uh, just grew up with those four friends. Um, and we've a lot of, we've modeled our personalities after them in a lot of way. And then, you know, that translates to sex in the city. Um, and I think, I mean, of course, in, modern gay groups there are plenty of blanches plenty of sluts uh and so there are characteristics shared between people but i just think most people just treat that as a cornerstone that and the fact that it was characters who you wouldn't normally presume to have a sex life talking about their sex life a lot and it was nonetheless something that like as kids, we watched it with our parents and it was weird. It's weird to think about like entire families sitting down to watch these four old ladies talk about like getting railed in Miami. But like, <laughs> that is something America did. And they did a lot for changing the way people could talk about sex. And, um, some of the best scripts of that show were written by gay men. Um, and they are a, uh, chosen family because aside from Dorothy and Sophia, who are mother and daughter, um, they are people who live together and they function as a family, but they're not related. And that, again, is something a lot of gay men end up doing when they go out in life and uh, are separated from their biological families. But they have these like core groups that uh, you fill you fill roles in, like Glenn said, some someone's someone's a Dorothy, someone's someone's a Rose. <laughs> Which one are you? Yeah, we're about uh, we're about Dorothy's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you're cranky? Is that what you're yeah, saying? I'm I'm absolutely very, very cranky. And exhausted and tall. Yeah. Um love the bitch. Yeah. Exhausted and tall. That mm. that's very well, because it takes so many too. more calories to to keep me going. <laughs> Um, it's, it's interesting talking about like, I, so I only, uh, I remember watching golden girls here, here and there growing up, but I like actually rewatched like, or, or watched the full series, um, only recently. And 
so much of it held up so well. Um, and that's uh, compared to like one of the first sitcoms I remember being into myself was Friends. When mm-hmm. I rewatched that, I can only, that only works to rewatch it because I watched it at the time. Like if I was watching that now, like they have about a lot of horrible homophobic and transphobic jokes. And it's so interesting comparing those two because Friends is more like that came out later than Golden Girls. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious, like, I know you, since you talk about the gay episodes of all these sitcoms, what, how, how, I, I struggle with when you look back at gay episodes or representation, because sometimes it's like, oh, well, at least there was a gay character there, even if it's a shitty representation. So I'm curious how you like look back at shows and, and kind of view them through a modern lens. Um, there's a couple of things like we tend to, try and give credit when their heart is in the right place and you can Mm. tell that some of them are just examples of their times and they'll use the wrong terminology uh and they'll just be playing off of stereotypes that were just accepted at the time um but if you can trace it to the root of the story and the character and if they're trying to give the gay character some sort of agenda um and allow them to be an actual character and not just a stand-in um, then we'll cut the show some slack. Mm. Uh, but if the gay character is just there uh, to be the butt of some shitty jokes, um, then that's a little harder to let slide. Yeah. Uh, one thing with Friends in particular, this is something that almost all of the NBC sitcoms of the 90s had a problem with, like especially NBC. I don't know why, but um, their big fault is they don't have gay characters. They have straight characters and they mine so much humor out of gay panic where the idea Mm. of being mistaken for gay or seeming gay is uh so alarming to them and the audience just fucking eats it up (laughs) and kind of can't forgive that because a lot of kids our age and younger would have grown up watching that and it really fucks you up like we're gonna we're gonna talk about this when we talk about will and grace because Mm. there's a lot of toxic messages in the episode that we watch but um it's really bad for kids to see in no uncertain terms that being gay is bad and how hilarious it is to see someone flail when they get mistaken for being gay. And, um, it's not that funny. It's not that funny now. It's weird to watch now. And that's just like so much of NBC in the nineties, especially if you're not out yet. Like, you know, I was a teenager in the nineties. I wasn't out and I was terrified that all my straight friends behind my back were like making fun of me for seeming gay and to see these characters on sitcoms, like actually panicking, uh, about seeming gay just sort of reinforced all my fears about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm one of those people that never had like a big T trauma kind of like, I never got like beat up for being gay or, and, and so I always, um, question like, why is it that I have internalized homophobia? Like, and I, it's like, I don't, well, I don't deserve to have that. I never, but then I'd like look back at some things like watching friends, which I did. And you're talking about like, there, there are so many messages every single day that, that I don't necessarily pinpoint one single thing, but like, yeah, that watching that show certainly taught me the message that like, it would be scary to be gay and any kind of implication of which like, could be horrifying and ruin you. Right. And also that lesbians are like always vaguely villainish for no real reason other than the fact that uh, one of them is no longer married to Ross. Yeah. No one wants to be married to Ross. (laughs) (laughs) For for too long, at least. No. Although the episode where Ross and Joey took a nap together was like, turned me on in a way that like, 
clearly I didn't have many outlets for my sexuality because that I was like, two boys napped together and they liked it. I want to rewatch it now. I actually don't remember that episode because I stopped watching Friends when I went to college. And when we go back and I have to watch episodes that I've seen for the first time, it is a very surreal experience to be like, oh, this is something that like millions of people watched back in the day and still hold very dear to their heart. They still watch it. They still, like, it's yeah. the most popular show on Netflix or was um, when it first popped up there. So what uh, what shows do you think do it well? You mentioned Golden Girls, but what other shows did it well? Uh, Cheers. There is uh, a gay episode in the first season of Cheers. And I think that was my reason for doing our show. Uh, Sam, the the bartender, has an old baseball friend who's uh, coming out and he sort of chooses Sam's bar to have that message or and Sam has to choose to embrace him or not. And by embracing his old friend, uh, people panic that Cheers is going to be seen as a gay bar. Mm. And, you know, this is like in 1982 or 83 and the first season of the show and they go out on a limb to sort of treat the topic and gay people seriously and as actual humans. And they give the main character of the show a chance to make a moral choice uh, about the topic of homosexuality. And it was just so shocking to me um, that that early on in the show's run and in the eighties, uh, they were willing to do that. And also at the end of the episode, um, Shelley Long, who is like our patron saint, we love Shelley Long a lot. Her character <laughs> says that, you know, there's actually gay men in the bar right now. So if you guys are freaking out that this is going to turn into a gay bar, you didn't even notice the gay guys who were already here. <laughs> and the like regulars all pick out these three guys who are like, they have mustaches and, uh, one has a leather vest, I think. Yeah. One orders a light beer and they're like, Oh, those are the gay guys. And it turns out that no, they're not. One of them actually asked, uh, Diane for a number. The gay guys who've been there the entire time are these two schlubby guys in the back who you just thought was like a schlubby cheers regular you wouldn't have ever thought he was gay which is um very progressive for back then and it's also schlubby gays on tv is something we should see more of and uh we're just kind of now getting there so it's kind of crazy that that happened that sounds like a, a sitcom in and of itself schlubby gays like that i know could be the name of the show <laughs> in my head i was like what would that be but i don't actually <laughs> want to write it like a golden girls where it's just four sh- sloppy gay men living mm-hmm. together yeah that'd be great uh, <laughs> Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Simpsons episode, uh, Homer's Phobia, the one with John Waters. Are you guys familiar with that episode? Uh, that doesn't sound familiar, but maybe if you keep talking. So um, they make friends with this guy who owns like an antique store at the mall. And he is voiced by John Waters and he looks like John Waters. And he's basically like an old nerd who just like loves like retro toys and stuff. And when Homer realizes that this man who they, they've had in their house is a gay man, he freaks out and tries to teach Bart how to be straight. Um, and like prevent him from being gay. Um, there's an elaborate sequence where they go to a steel mill to watch real men working, but then it turns out to be a gay dance club called the Anvil. Great. Great. <laughs> um, it's really good because uh, John, the character who's gay does eventually prove to Homer that he's not a bad guy and Homer accepts him. But there's this very poignant part at the end where um John says, now just every other gay man in the universe is going to have to save your life too, and then you'll be okay with all of them. And it illustrates this very good point of, it's not, it shouldn't be gay people's responsibility to prove to you that they're worthwhile people. You should just presume that they are until they prove that they're not. Um, It's actually kind of fucked up if you're uh, making an exception for like, oh, you're the one good gay guy. I like you. Everyone else hasn't proven themselves to me yet. And that's actually how a lot of 
maybe less so now, but a lot of straight people maybe 20 years ago thought about gay people. Like there was exceptions where they were normal, but the rest of them were all presumably bad. I think you're being really kind. Back home where I grew up, like that, that is how it is now. And, and not just with gay people, but I think with race even more. It's yeah. like they're, they're one of the good ones is, is a way that people get to preserve their bigotry while still, you know, allowing this person that has proven their stereotypes wrong into their life. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and also uh, just framing gay acceptance as needing to prove our worth to a straight person uh, before we're worthwhile to the world. When really, like, you know, don't, don't have to prove ourselves to anyone. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it sucks that it is true that like acceptance one of the biggest factors in acceptance of lgbt people is knowing an lgbt person and so while that's helpful for people to come out and 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 people to know lgbt people yeah you're right it also sucks that they have to meet someone to be like oh you're not as scary as i thought you were well that's cool like yeah it shouldn't shouldn't have to be that way what about it, when you were growing up they I think we'll dip into like maybe a little bit of what we'll talk more about on your show with the will and grace, but like we're, what growing up did you remember thinking about gay people or what did sitcoms teach you about being gay? I think for me, there was a huge overlap with seeming gay on TV and the nerd characters. So like Mark, the youngest foster son from step by step was coded as gay for me because he was slight. He was bullied uh, and his interest in girls seemed forced. And so for me, TV sort of taught me that gay characters were in a constant state of fright and not being accepted um, by more masculine characters on the show. Uh, and that, I don't know, I, I would have to like beef up or show more interest in sports, like throw a ball with my dad and be able to catch it without like flinching. Um, just to get by and just to get the eyes off me. And so it, it felt like gay characters were always under more of a microscope than some of the other characters. Hmm. I mean, again, we're going to talk about it with Will and Grace, but um, Will and Grace was a very difficult show for me because the image of gay men they put forth, I'm like, I don't think I have that in me. And it kind of took me until like my thirties to accept that, like, that's not who a gay man has to be. And I'm not failing if I'm not matching that. What about you guys? Well, I, I remember the first time I saw Will and Grace was at a friend's house, uh, my best friend, who was a girl um, in high school. Um, and it was like this terrifying moment where it was like part of it was good because like her I was always scared of anyone's dad. I just always thought someone's dad was I don't know. I was better friends with a mom. I had more to relate to and could talk about with their mom. But like with the dad, like I was always worried about them and he like my friend's dad was like watching will and grace and laughing and mm -hmm. i was like well first of all i didn't know there was a show with gay people on it so that's really interesting um and then the fact that he was like sitting there laughing at i was like a a bit of a relief but then it was also really nerve-wracking to sit there on the couch watching it with them because mm -hmm. like this is really cool but like what if i seem too interested in this or what if I don't know. It like I had to like really think about how I was like, how do I react to this show in a way that a straight high schooler would like, am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? So it was like very, very weird mixture of like exciting and terrifying to see that on TV. I think it's a very common reaction. Um, I always, when I think about having to 
sit there and be like, how would a straight person react to this? And then fucking overthink it and like not get it right. I become jealous of the fact that straight people don't ever have to think about it. Like they just yeah. don't have that stress of being like, how am I supposed to do this? What is the way that is okay for me to do this? Yeah. There was there was an episode of Third Rock from the Sun with a, a gay character uh, and he had my name. And I remember this visibly sweating because there was a gay character with my name. And I would like look to my dad to see if he was like watching me react. And I was just terrified. <laughs> and I had to keep excusing myself to go to the bathroom anytime that character showed up in a scene. Yeah. Hmm. I remember this is not a sitcom. I remember watching, I think it was Shrek 2 that um, there is a, this prince who was, I don't know if he was he was super gay but like he had a sparkly shirt on and he danced and he did like and like every like when when a gay prince named kyle all of a sudden came on the screen ev- all of my friends looked at me and then of course given he was like all all prancy and glittery i was like oh shit like that was the worst thing to come on the screen in front of my friends and i didn't and i yeah luckily it was in a dark theater where i didn't have to do too much they couldn't see you turning red or anything. Yeah, that's yeah. a really that's a fucked up thing that like even once you realize you're gay, you can't appreciate gay representation because if you're watching it with people who don't know you're gay, it becomes this whole fucking uh it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What about uh nowadays? Like what are your favorite uh sitcoms that you think have good uh or any TV shows good representation of gay people? I would again vouch for Happy Endings, which has been off the air. It's only 3 seasons and it went off the air maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, but they have more than one gay character and uh, it is great to see a gay guy whose life is a mess because it's relatable. Um, <laughs> We've burned through so much TV in quarantine that it all bleeds together. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> like we just talked about the new Saved by the Bell and I just want to say like, oh, that's great gay representation, but there's no gay character on the show. No. Huh. Um, but it just feels like a very progressive show. So it's like, oh yeah, we're represented, but it's like, oh, well maybe not. There's a new Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, uh, it's funny in the way the original is not. And, uh, it's on the Peacock streaming app and, uh, we were big fans. Something good it does is that, uh, I mentioned Angel Gaze and how like gay characters had to be perfect in order to win over audiences. The problem we're having more recently is Angel trans characters where they Mm. have to be like, attractive and nice and good at everything and um, strong and confident. And they're just not that interesting. We've done a few trans episodes with trans guests who've like talked about this weird phenomena, but uh, on the new state by the bell, there is a trans actress named Josie Toda, who uh, I knew was trans going into watching the first episode of the show. And I was thinking like, I wonder if this character is going to be trans or not. And then they very casually drop that she transitioned and it's not a major part of the show for her and her arc is more about being a queen bee mean girl and trying to reconcile with what that means for her um and it is as a cisgender person um it is to me a very interesting take on a trans character because they made her they made it part of her but not the whole of her and then they found a way to make her interesting aside from being just trans yeah that's what I, i i think we don't see enough of like Oh, you're gay, but also you do other shit. And like, mm. like we talked about, I think you're right. That like seeing gays that are not like all put together that are either like shitty people or don't have their life together or a mess, but also like gays that their whole thing is not there to be gay. It's to do other things outside of that. I, I, I think those are the kind of, that's the kind of representation that is actually useful. 
But the most important question about that show is whether Mario Lopez has been shirtless yet yes. or not. Because I yes, haven't watched lot. it, but I need to know. <laughs> oh, he's really? shirtless a lot. Does not show his butt like he did uh, Nip Tuck. Nip Tuck, uh, yeah. Man, that like 30 seconds. I've seen that 30 seconds of Nip Tuck many times. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very good scene. <laughs> you know, I do wonder if the, the, the first incarnation of Saved by the Bell, I'm not sure if you would consider that sitcom or not. One thing that we haven't talked about is like, what does sitcom mean? Like, like definition wise, but um, the original Saved by the Bell, how could the character of Slater not have been like targeted at queer kids gay gay kids like th- there's so much about his body and about like objectifying Wrestling? him yeah. and like, it, it, so, it just seems in retrospect what like it all seems just so geared to get gay kids to watch or something i mean so uh it dropped on our patreon feed last week but the episode that's going live for us this next coming week is a say by the bell episode where we talk about the new show but we also talk about um Say by the bell, the old, old, the original version. And like, we talk a lot about how weird it is that like they spend more time focusing on Mario Lopez's body than they do on any of the girls, which is <laughs> weird. Like yeah. you have three attractive girls and they get objectified to an extent, but like they went off the rails with Mario Lopez and there's just someone, someone should write a paper on that. It, it, it's fascinating <laughs> and complicated. Well, and also these characters like Slater and Zach were the source of my body dysmorphia going from like being a child (laughs) to a teenager is like, well, why is my body not shaping up like that? Why is my hair not flopping like that? Um, And so that's another source of sort of gay panic in these sitcoms is that the actors are so attractive Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you want to look like them, but also sleep with them, which is, such a unique problem for uh gay people yeah where like we want to look like the people we want to sleep with sometimes and that just brings up a lot of issues yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah although mike i'm wondering like you're talking about them being there uh, you know are they there to attract gay kids i mean part of it I, I would think is like just you the goal is to have attractive actors like not targeting anyone specific that's just you just always have attractive actors so what would make you know is that different than is are there certain types of attractive that they put there to attract gay kids or is it just a byproduct of having an attractive dude it just like mark paul gosselier is attractive and he's hot and they mm-hmm. went with that but like it it's a different level with ac slater with mario lopez's character like that's so homoerotic and mm-hmm. so overtly sexualized you know in a way that like I don't think at least at the time is something that would have been targeted towards teenage girls. Like, I, like it, it just, it, it felt like at this new level that just felt overtly gay to me. Singlets. Um, I don't <laughs> think that many girls were like, mm, I'm going to fantasize about a cute boy in a singlet, but like every gay boy was doing that and still does that. And um, yeah, it, he spends a lot of time in singlets on that show. Yeah. Thank yep. God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned that like is saved by the bell a sitcom and that's another thing we talk about because uh actually kind of related to will and grace will and grace is a show that i have uh the humor doesn't work for me so um both of them are things that work like a sitcom where it has a sitcom style plot and a studio audience that's laughing to stuff but like the stuff they're laughing at isn't funny so if it's not making you laugh you're like wait this is is this a sitcom? I guess it is, but it's just one that where if you don't find anything funny, it, you're completely lost. It's, it's very just strange. a sit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sit and watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a sitcom, but it was a sitcom geared towards children, and in a way that like Full House uh, was kind of like 
softer and so not necessarily funny to adults but something that kids can watch and feel like it is adult entertainment um because it's like it has the trappings of sitcoms that their parents watch with the laugh track uh and the abc plots Mm -hmm. and it just feels comfortable and it's sort of i don't know it's it's something that's not cartoons uh but it has the safety of cartoons so uh, I'm a little bit putting you on the spot here, I, I think. And we, we've, we've named a lot of shows. I'm wondering if you have any predictions for 20 years from now, what shows we'll still be talking about. Mm. I mean, I think people are going to talk about Golden Girls until we die. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you mean shows that are on now or shows that like we're considering classic now that will still have value in two decades? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think both. I think the second one is more where I was coming from, but but the, but the 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 first the first is good too. I mean, ten years ago, I would have said that one of the most important shows for gay representation is Roseanne, and um, that's not a show people really talk about anymore. And it's kind of crazy to imagine that that went from being such a center point of '90s culture and '90s sitcom culture to something that is kind of an afterthought now, just because of Roseanne herself saying a lot of crazy stuff, but, um, (laughs) yeah, um, it is crazy. So, uh, stuff that seems very contemporary does fall away. I mean, I think the root of that problem is that, you know, the, the classic shows that we talk about, um, from the nineties and before that's when there were three or four major networks and you had ratings that were in like 30 million viewers, Mm -hmm. 40 million viewers. And there was just a, a shared culture uh, between kids and adults that you just don't have right now, even though like, you know, with the internet, everyone's more connected and talking, we're not all watching the same things necessarily. Uh, and so, and also like we, we're not forced to watch them 10 times over because we don't have to watch reruns. We don't just turn the TV on and have whatever is playing in the background, just ingrained in our DNA. And so modern shows do have a harder time digging in and they may not, last 20 years from now we may not be thinking about superstore 20 years from now even if it is is anyone thinking about superstore now there are people and we did watch an episode and it was a good episode but it's like it's not something that i get into it's just not it's just not my if i want to watch a sitcom i want to watch like a comfort sitcom (laughs) and newer sitcoms have more modern sensibilities with short scenes and a lot of characters and it's just not comfortable in the same way classic sitcoms are because i feel like a short play you know the scenes are longer you're you're sort of in it with the characters there's not that divide of like good cinematography like i want shitty cinematography and i want long <laughs> scenes i'm i'm still trying to think of what from back in the day is going to last like with friends i wonder if all those issues are going to spoil it and in 20 years it's going to be regarded as something that is like kind of offensive and stupid, which is how I consider it now, kind of. But um, I'm really having a hard time pinpointing anything that I can say for sure will be of cultural value in 20 years other than The Simpsons, just because The Simpsons wins just by pure longevity and reflecting the American culture for um, since like 1989. I feel good saying Golden Girls and Frasier. I'll put I'll put money on those two. I Love Lucy has been uh, one that like, has staying power even like even this long that like i think people at least 
know of regardless of their age and and know she was up to some hijinks just because of the nature of a female lead and you know a lot of the the, the newer things they did i think that's mm-hmm. going to continue yeah i did a lucy rewatch early in quarantine that mm-hmm. i had, had forgotten about completely until you mentioned it and it does hold up it's still funny uh, she's I've... a comedic genius when, although rewatching it, there were there were so many things that was like, you know, the, Lucy was gone. And so like Ricky was like, I don't know how to make food. Like, yeah. I guess I'll go buy a sandwich and bread or something. Or like the women, like you go talk over there and the men are going to go talk over here. Like there's so many things that oh, I was the, like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, it, yeah, like we're we're not even on to like gay anything yet. We're on like just, you know, male and female like weird dynamics there <laughs> the gender politics are terrible they're a disaster they're a minefield but if you can yeah. overlook that by the way i love lucy may actually have the first gay joke in american sitcom history maybe <gasps> sitcom history in general what what was it so we did it early we did it in quarantine so it seems like we did it five years ago but um <laughs> it is lucy thinks um, ricky's trying to murder her that's <laughs> that is the setup for yep. the plot and one of the pieces of that em- one <laughs> she has she finds a list of um, what she thinks is like mistresses that will replace her. And she's reading off the names. And the last one is Theodore. And it g- ends on an ad break. She looks at the camera and goes, Theodore. And it's a gay joke. Um, she's horrified that Ricky might be in a relationship with a man. It does not come up again. And it also turns out that all these names belong to dogs that are going to be mm-hmm. in part of Ricky. This is any misunderstanding. But um, that's that's it. That's that that's as far as we can tell is the first gay joke in TV. Huh? That's awesome. I have actually. no idea. Yeah. Especially gays love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> Queen of Palm Springs. I I also just realized another reason that shows like I Love Lucy will not uh, fall from grace the way Roseanne did is that they're all dead and they can't say anything <laughs> to get canceled at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so they have that they have they have being dead going in their favor. Like they can't fuck shit up <laughs> as much as alive people can. Yep. Yeah. That's true, mm. actually. Yeah. So did we do it? Yeah, we, we did it. We, all of the all of the comms have been set. <laughs> yes, we've sat on everything. Mm. Okay, uh, great. So, uh, do you want to watch one while we take a break? Yeah, sure. Let's let's watch some <laughs> I Love Lucy. <laughs> let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Then are we back? Yeah, we're back. We're back. <laughs> uh, we are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, Drew and Glenn from Gayest Episode Ever. Where can people find out about you, your show, what you're up to, your lives, etc.? GayestEpisodeEver.com is very easy to remember. You can find all of our episodes there. We've done most of the popular American sitcoms ever. So if we haven't done a show you like, then there's probably you probably have issues with TV. Um, <laughs> uh, we did a lot this year uh please uh go through our back catalog you can follow us on twitter at gayest episode and then i am on twitter at drew g mackey m-a-c-k-i-e um oh i also uh my side project during quarantine was a new mini podcast about uh 80s music but like 80s music you should have heard but you didn't because you were living in the wrong country or it's not one of the 30 80s songs that get played to death uh at like an 80s night so it's called deep cuts and superficial wounds Deep Cuts and SuperficialWounds.com. If you want to hear stuff that sounds like the 80s music you like but you haven't heard yet, this is the podcast you may enjoy. Uh, and if you want to harass me on Twitter, uh, you can find me at IWriteWrongs, I-W-R-I-T-E, wrongs. And I found out this week 
that a movie that I wrote that came out in 2019 is now on Netflix in Canada. Uh, that's Being Frank, starring Jim Gaffigan. You can watch it in America and probably other countries if you want to pay for it. Nice. <laughs> and we will be on um, an episode of Gayest Episode Ever talking about an episode of Will and Grace. So um, you can also, uh, if you want an episode to, to get into it with, then start there. Yes, please. Uh, well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are at Gayish Podcast on all social media like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. Our physical mailing address is post office box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Gayest and straightest? Yeah, let's do our gayest to straightest. I'm just going to go by the order that we're on this strippy thing of Zoom here. So that means me. Great. Aha. Uh, so the gayest thing about me this week is getting a negative COVID test and then immediately getting on Grinder to see if I could parlay <laughs> that into anybody being willing to hook up. Did it work? Uh, I'm, it did not because <laughs> I'm too scared to hook up because of COVID. Um, That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I did like move the conversation forward. A couple of times, you know, I get on Grinder because you're bored and you're ch chatting with people and like anyway. Um, and then the, the straightest thing about me this week uh, was talking with some listeners on our Discord voice chat about fantasy football. Oh, and trying to hang. What do you know about fantasy football? Not a fucking thing. Okay. But <laughs> I was it say. was I, I, I still chatted politely. I somebody said that they didn't know what it meant that their team was so many games back. Like, like what games back? That means like how many how many games they would have to win to win the thing anyway you just took logical like <laughs> guesses based yeah. on context yeah <laughs> I exactly that. that's how i manage most straight conversations <laughs> yeah same girl okay uh kyle you're next um the uh gayest thing about me this week i uh have four pillows two of which i use to kind of like create a like body pillow kind of thing to cuddle at night uh so so cuddling a, a man that is not there and the straightest thing is that uh, my bed, I never make my bed. I, you know, again, gays are supposed to be like clean and neat and everything. And I never make my bed. So shit's always all over the place. Uh, and so I have to pick up those two pillows from the ground every time so I can cuddle them. Right. That's Did you name the pillows? Do the pillows have a name? <gasps> oh, no. But now you now I'll have to think of one because you're right. Toddson. Oh, God. Toddson. Okay. Okay. Son of Todd. <laughs> uh glenn you are next oh good uh the gayest thing i did this week uh was binge five seasons of the good wife i had a lot of concept art to draw and so i could just have that on in the background and so now i know a lot about law in illinois uh and kalinda <laughs> mm -hmm. nice <laughs> <laughs> oh and the gayest thing i did that was my gayest so my shortest thing i did this week was i checked out of politics um, starting with like Thanksgiving weekend, I just didn't check Twitter as much. Uh, I'm not as angry at random people whose names I should not know. Uh, and I'll check back in soon, you know, to help out with Georgia and all that. Uh, but yeah, I just totally didn't care and pretended like my life was not in constant danger. How, yeah. <laughs> how did that feel? <laughs> it was actually kind of great. Like I went from listening to like two, three, four, eight political podcast today to none so uh, it was nice that is in smart. fact very straight of you yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the number of straight people that don't realize that not caring about politics, they get to do that because of privilege is, mm-hmm. is staggering. Yeah, so this week I embrace my privilege. Yay. Good for you. <laughs> Hooray. Uh, Drew, how about you? Bring the, us home. The gayest, the straightest thing I did this week is also possibly fairly gay because um, I've been, I haven't been to a gym since April and I miss pecs. I miss pecs. And um, <laughs> I uh, invested in a bench press set for home. So that is simultaneously a very straight guy thing to do, but also a very gay guy thing to do. So I don't, I don't really know how to answer that one. Wait, so you, just you want... miss having or seeing pecs? Both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can do a straight thing for gay reasons. If the only pecs I can see in person are my own, I guess I always have to take that until this the whole period is over. Yeah. The gayest thing I did happen last night while Glenn finished a Dungeons and Dragons thing very late. And we, he came in to watch a half hour thing. We chose the new Animaniacs. And there is a bit with, they do a riff on the Odyssey. And Odysseus is drawn to have visible pubes. And I was floored by this to the point that while we were watching it on the TV, I pulled it up on my computer and took a screen grab of it and shared it on Twitter because everyone needed to see that Animaniacs gave Odysseus pubes. I was very excited (laughs) by this. That is, I can't believe that either. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. People were like, I think it's a happy trail. I was like, no, it's like a visible bush at the top of his pants and also below his pants. By pants, I mean like Greek soldier skirt thing. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. Impressive. Well, uh, well, that's it. A quick programming note. We are going to have a live stream. We're calling it the Gayish New Year's Cock and Eve. It's going to be at 2 p.m. Pacific on New Year's Eve so that we can do a countdown to midnight for all of our awesome listeners in the United Kingdom and, and the GMT time zone. Uh, also on our website at uh, gayishpodcast.com slash merch, we have new gayish underwear and a Christmas sweatshirt that says, Don, we now are gayish apparel. Thanks to fucking Dan and our Discord users for suggesting those as ideas. Yeah, and the, the merch store is updated, so a little bit easier to use it. Um, so, but it's still at gayishpodcast.com slash merch, but it'll take you to a, a nice, neat, new, pretty store. A uh, special thank you to Drew Mackey and Glenn Lakin from Gayest Episode Ever. Thank you so much for being here, you thank guys. You. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to our super gap bridgers, C and Hazen Scanders, and our new super gap bridger now on the list, Jerome York. Uh, uh, thanks, Jerome. Thanks, You're Jerome. In good company with two two good of our friends. So from the C and Hazen studio, this has been Gayish. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. 